Welcome to The Theater Project. Today, The Theater Project is thinking about up-and-coming playwrights. In this episode, Brennan Columbia Walsh, a junior at Montclair Kimberly Academy and co-winner of The Theater Project's 2021 Young Playwright Competition, will introduce an audio recording of his play, followed by a one-on-one interview with 2020 Young Playwright Competition honoree, Jacob Makovsky. Hello, everybody. I'm sitting here with Brennan, and we're about to listen to his award-winning one-act play, The Opossum. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to see this performance, and I'm very thankful to be involved with the theater project. Jim Welsh. Oh, call me Slim. Pleasure to be meeting you. He coming? Oh, hold your horses there, fella. We don't gotta get right to business. I ain't got much interest for small talking. Oh, first step in being a good partner is being a good friend. We ain't gotta be friends. Oh, we ain't gotta be enemies neither. You the one they call Fat Man? I don't like it much when folks call me that. Oh, ironic, ain't it? The fat man teaming up with old Slim Welsh. Oh, you was a mean fella, ain't you? I ain't got no fancy for friends or people. Well, all right. Well, in this life, as long as you can fire a pistol, I suppose you don't need other people. Is he coming? You ain't the one for patience, are you? What I ain't and what I ain't not ain't none of your concern. But there's one thing I ain't for. It's that I ain't one for bounty hunters. Well, I ain't a bounty hunter to you. Why, I got a bounty, don't I? Oh, your bounty ain't a quarter of the one we about to catch. I don't know. I don't very much like doing business with bounty hunters. Well, by the looks of it so far, you ain't very much like much of anything. I like freedom. Well, that just happens to be exactly what I'm offering. So it looks like we may be friends after all. How I know you're not going to sack me after we sack him? I'm a bushwhacker, and a bushwhacker I am, but... I can't do my bushwhacking if you ain't gonna trust me. That don't answer my question. (laughs) Wasn't meant to. I ain't one for playing games. (laughs) Listen, you ugly bastard. I got you a meeting with the Pittsburgh Possum, the Killing Colonel, Murdoch Monroe. Oh, and you don't just drop out on a meeting like that. So you're just gonna have to take my word for it. I don't very much like words. Oh, well, now that don't surprise me. You know, words are tough, and seems like you couldn't teach a hand to cluck. <laughs> Besides, you ain't need to use words when you got fish the size of horse's balls. Ain't that right, fat man? <laughs> oh, hey, now, you ain't going to want to lay your big paws on that shooting iron. You know, I'm going to have to reach for my silver bullet. And I don't know if you've heard, but you speaking to the fastest gun in the West. I said 
Don't call me Fat Man. <laughs> well, okay then. I'm already slim. Oh, what am I to call you? Call me Lenny. Lenny Shaw. What? Lenny Shaw? It is. Walk me through it. Oh, sure, partner. So, uh, this fella, he'll be coming in any second now. He thinks he's coming here to meet up with us to plan a, out a hit on the Silverton Bank. Oh, but we'll be doing no such thing. We'll just let him speak for a little bit, and, and when he's not looking, well, <laughs> you know the rest. We gonna bushwhack him? <laughs> we gonna bushwhack him. And what's this feller like? Uh, he, he's a mean fella. He's so mean, he makes you and I look like the sons of Maid and Mary. No, we, we're talking about the Pittsburgh Possum, the most wanted outlaw this side of the Mississippi. Oh, yeah, he's a slippery bastard. One mean motherfucking Mick. Oh, he's got a fast gun, but faster with his words. Convince a chicken out of its feathers. Yeah, that's where his talents really lie. Oh, that mean bastard. What's his story? They say he's born to two outlaws. Had full-grown chops the day he popped out his mama's skunk. When he was eight, he killed his first man, and it was his father. Oh, they say at the bucking age of 16, he bled a whole city dry in just a month and burned it down when there was no more money to collect. Oh, he went to the army and rose them ranks quicker than the sun shines over Topeka. One winter, he went up a mountain when, with his cousin before a storm hit. Came back down three months later with a different pair of boots. They say he ate the man. Oh, but he got his bounty just recently when he robbed the Denver bank with his gang. Then he sacked his mate, his mates so he could keep the cash. Oh yeah, he's a mean one, that slippery bastard. Well, but you, you, you're a big fella. Nothing a, a lunk like you can handle, huh? <laughs> How much you say that bounty was? $10,000. $10,000. That's a whole lot of paper. Yeah, once we kill him, I'll take half. You take half. You go pay off your bounty on your head and ride into the sunset all happy as you is. And, and you're sure you can do that, right? Pay off your own bounty? Crystal sure, Lenny. My, my brother's the sheriff of Silverton. He'll help you out. Well, all right then. Well, let's get to work. Oh, uh, uh, Lenny, uh, uh, one more thing. I need your pistol. What? Oh, well, that's right. It's Murdoch's one rule. He's the only one in the room with a gun. I ain't very much like going without my gun. Yeah, well, I won't have mine either. I'm not gonna leave him with the tender. Don't be pulling nothing, Jim Welsh. Nope. You have my word, Lenny Shaw. I just saw him walking in the saloon. Well, get ready, Lenny. Here it comes. Good evening, gentlemen. <laughs> Good evening, sir. What, ball bag? You don't stand in the colonel's presence? I ain't stand for nobody. 
You must be the fat man. The name's Shaw. Well, boy, <coughs> my name's Colonel Murdoch Monroe, and it's only right you lift your fat ass off that there seat when I walk into the room, you hear? Uh, Colonel Murdoch. What? Uh, Colonel Murdoch, I... Who's there? No, it's me, sir. It's Slim. Who? Uh, it's, it's Slim. Jim. Jim Welsh. Who? Jim Welsh. Oh, okay. Well, Slim, tell this here feller to get off his ass. Well, just stand up. He's standing? Oh, yeah, he's standing. Y'all got shooting irons? Uh, I left them with the tender. Uh, take a seat, Colonel. Uh, uh, sit down. Where? Well, here, in the chair. Uh. <laughs> so, ladies call you Fat Man? Yeah, that's what they call me. Why they call you that? Because I'm fat. What? Because I'm fat. You're what? Fat, Colonel. He's fat. He's got a, a big old belly. Well, fat guy, I've got a nickname, too. <laughs> you know what they call me? What? They call me the Pittsburgh Possum. You want to know why? Why? I got no darn idea. That's the thing about nicknames. They don't gotta mean nothing. They ain't calling me the fat man. They ain't calling you the fat man cause you're fat. You're fat cause they call you the fat man. <laughs> but I wear my nickname with pride. No matter what they call you, as long as they call you something, you just got to be one mean ass outlaw to get a nickname. That's all I know. Don't give a rat's ass what it is. <laughs> uh, Colonel, let's get talking about the Silverton Bank. They charged this full force, them Johnny Ribs. It was the thing of the night. Pain's farm ain't never been so dark and so dull darn cold. I seen 500 young Union men shrivel up in that cold. Ooh, it was cold. But I took the freeze with courage and we marched right back at him. My bayonet, oh, it was sharp. Pierced three heads straight. But there was too many Johnny Ribs and my unit those 12 Union sons, we was surrounded in that forest. 50 men strong they was. They's come into us from all sides and they picked us off one by one. They got me in my ass and I was bleeding like a broad at full moon. I laid my gun to the ground and put my face in the soil. And there I watched the living young souls slaughtered and beaten and butchered and slayed. Oh, all those old mamas got to hear their sons was killed at Payne's farm. But the, what those revs failed to do was put a bullet in my brains. Oh, my ass was cold and bloody, but my shooting arm was fine and strong. And so I played dead. There's something about a man with his face in the soil that makes even the meanest of fellas turn their back. But when those troops turned them backs on me, I flanked them Johnny Rebs and laid a line of bodies 50 men strong, every last one of them down in the snow. <laughs> and I laughed as I walked away. And I cried for them Union boys who sold their souls for mine. <laughs> hey, Slim. 
What in God's name are we doing here, Jim? Who's this fucking piss-pop bag of bones you brought me? Oh, you're talking about a Yankee legend and gunslinger worth ten grand. Bullshit, ten grand! That there's an old beggar wannabe gunslinger ain't worth the shit on the bottom of his boots. No, I ain't got the poster in my satchel. He's worth $10,000. There ain't no way in hell that that there's a gunslinger. Well, he, he might be a little past his prime, but he's got the bones of a legend. And the wrinkles of my mama. No, wrinkles or not. He's killed more men than there are in Silverton. The, the man's not even awake. Oh, come on, he... Wait, is he, uh... Colonel! Colonel! <laughs> hey! Well, he's, uh... Alive. <laughs> yeah. All right, listen. This man's about to go belly up on us. How about you go get your pistol from the tender and we get this job done? Well, and then I'll go get us some drinks. Hey! Hey, fat guy, where are you? I'm here. What? I'm here! Come here, fat guy. Listen, listen to me, fat guy. I need your help. I think that slim man's fixing to kill me. I think he's fixing to sack us both and take my bounty for himself. Word around town's my head's worth 10,000 paper slips. I think he's fixing to have it himself. I don't think so, old man. How do you know? He's a gunslinger, ain't he? Takes him to take us in and get rid of his bounty. No, no, he we he never trust a man as smooth with the talk as he. Fast with his gun, faster with his words, gives the most dangerous of types. Well, you don't think. You protect me, won't you? I serve for you, boy. Serve me back. <sighs> Well, excuse me, I've got to go to the little boy's room. Be right back. better. <laughs> well, okay, then. Uh, let's talk the Silverton Bank. Oh, all right. When we get there, it's going to be mighty security. We'll blow a hole through the back. That way we can be in and out as quick as possible. We'll run into a few of the lawmen, but no more than ten. <laughs> Nothing we can't handle. We'll each bring in two bags, and if we fill our coffers right, we could be talking about a $40,000 payout. $40,000. That's a whole lot of slip. Oh, yes, sir, it is. What are we each walking away with? Well, about 13 grand for each of us. Mmm. But it'd be real easy for one of our team to sack the other two, take the 40 for themselves. Oh, well, it's a good thing we can trust each other. But it could happen. Are uh, you uh, planning something, Lenny? Oh, I ain't got no plans. Well, then good. No reason for mistrust. All I'm saying, we putting a whole lot on words. 
I don't know about you, but I don't very much like words. Well, you got a problem, fat man? <laughs> I ain't got no problem. No problem whatsoever. None at all, Mr. Welsh. Fat man Lenny Shaw. Can't be the fastest gun in the West without no pistol. I ain't interested in taking your name. But you is interested in taking my head. Can you listen to reason? I told you I ain't one for words. Oh, well, that's a damn shame. I thought we was actually becoming friends. <laughs> I ain't very much like friends. Well, sorry, Mr. Shaw. Looks like you wasn't fast enough. Ah! Oh, you bastard! You mean, smooth-talking, yellow-bellied son of a bitch! <laughs> well, Jimmy, another one down. You know, Mr. Shaw, you should pay more attention to nicknames. They can say a lot about a man. Oh, but trust is a tricky thing. You're just like those Johnny Rebs. There's something about a man with his face in the soil that makes even the meanest of fellas turn their backs. They don't call me the Pittsburgh Possum for nothing. I know how to play dead. All right, Jimmy. This one's dead. Get some of your boys. He's a big fella. Like always, send me half the bounty on Thursday, and I'll see you next week. See you next week, boss. Hi, Brennan. Thank you for being here. Hi, Jacob. Thanks for having me. I really like your play. I think The Opossum is great. It's witty, it's funny, and it definitely is a lot of fun. I think you did a great job. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what the writing process for The Opossum was like. Sure, yeah, thank you. First off, I definitely had a lot of fun writing this play. Uh, I wrote this play specifically for the Young Playwrights Competition. I usually write kind of like long form, so I have plays that are one or two or three acts. And it's really always useful to have a shorter version up your sleeve. So when I saw this, you know, it's a great opportunity. Not many young playwright competitions. And so I got to work on writing The Possum. And I approached it how I typically do, which was working out just who these people were first before I kind of got to necessarily how it was going to work out once the scene started. So the first thing I did was write character descriptions and just think of the most interesting people I possibly could and then let them kind of speak for themselves and find how they're going to speak, which kind of led me to this final plot line that worked nicely. So that was my writing process, kind of just letting the characters be wacky and seeing where that took me. That's great. How did you come up with the character? Did you have any inspiration for any of the characters? I knew immediately that I didn't want people to see three characters on stage that are extremely similar. So my first thing was kind of create a contrast. And so with the characters of Jim Welsh and Lenny Shaw, I kind of got that going immediately. And I wanted these to be really peculiar, you know, idiosyncratic outlaws with nicknames. And so I got to work on what they were going to look like. And I thought that it perfectly created some sort of foil 
of this slow-talking, dim-witted, big, fat outlaw and this intelligent, witty, quick-with-his-words bounty hunter. And so that's kind of the contrast I created. And my struggle then was, okay, how do I create a third character that is neither of that doesn't relate necessarily to either of these characters. And so I said, well, my option here is, can I make him 80 years old? Or I can't remember the exact age, 70-something, the possum. And so I guess my process of creating characters was, can I create contrasts and, and avoid too much overlap while still having some? And for inspiration, I think I just was at a point in my life where I had recently seen and heard a lot of kind of old West media uh, whether that be songs or movies. And I typically enjoy setting my plays in some period of history in a very specific location that people have not seen before on stage. I'm sure that there's not much writing going on of stage play westerns, and I put my mind to that. Between Slim Jim Welsh and Fat Man Lenny Shaw and The Opossum, I think you definitely created a very colorful cast of characters. Do you have a favorite between the three of them? Man, that's rough. I really like The Opossum. I think that he's a special character. Slim Jim is definitely fun to watch. He's the most leading man of any of these three. But I feel like the unsung, he's certainly not a hero, but the unsung character of this trio is Lenny. So I have a special place in my heart for this man who just has words wrapped around him, even though he doesn't understand what's going on. So maybe I'll put my golden sticker on Lenny Shaw. I was wondering how many drafts the opossum went through and how it changed or how any particular character kind of changed from start to finish. Well, when I write, I typically, I go scene by scene. I'm very kind of meticulous with my scene plans, but this was only an opportunity for one scene here. And so I just wrote it from start to finish. I took it a first draft out. And typically I don't do rewrites. Instead, I just revise and pick at my work and just let that kind of evolve how it is. I think that oftentimes in throwing out a first draft, you're throwing out little precious pieces of theater that could remain in the final product. But that's not to say that it didn't change from start to finish. What I often find myself doing after a first draft is seeing, well, this works, seeing what works, that is, and then expanding on that and really seeing the limit that I can push there. So if, if I find something that works, like making Murdoch in his 70s, making him a little senile, how far can I push that for either a comedic effect? I think the same thing works for dramas and tragedies. But how far can I push that so that the audience is really getting a human being here instead of just a character who only has half of a framework? A few times now you've been alluding to some of the other work that you've worked on and other plays that you've written. Could you tell me a little bit about some of the other shows that you've written? Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. My journey of writing has kind of started right before my freshman year of high school. So I'm a junior now. I went to a friend of mine and I said, I want to write a play. And we called it Forgive Me Father. And it was set in a Catholic church in Indiana and basically revolved around a gay priest who was wrapped up in this really daunting stuff happening in his church and you know his own kind of moral dilemma of preserving his false identity or revealing who he truly was. And we worked on that for nearly two years while working on other things, of course, myself. And that was kind of my first initiative, playwriting. Since then, I've written a lot. I, like I said, I mainly do long form. I wrote a play this time last year when quarantine hit called Monaghan, which was three acts. It's set in Ireland, in, in County Monaghan, Ireland. That's where the name is from. And it features three characters, two of whom are a couple that stumble upon a hospitable Irish hermit in Rossmore Forest in, in County Monaghan and take refuge there during a storm, but find that there are some more sinister themes to this little hermit. 
And right now I'm working on a really big project that I've done some pretty extensive research into called The Butcher of Mauthausen. Mauthausen was a concentration camp in Austria during the Third Reich. And it basically sets around a Jewish family who has assumed a new set of identities in order to keep themselves safe during the Holocaust, but who are sort of thrust into the Nazi party when the father, who is an academic and an epidemiologist, is asked to aid the Nazi party in creating uh, weapons and the ensuing drama that unfolds because of that. And that'll be four acts, and I imagine I'm going to be done with that in the summer. But that's kind of my portfolio, or at least the largest projects I worked on throughout high school. You know, I, I really enjoy doing this, and I spend a lot of my free time writing. And so whenever I can, I definitely set my mind to bigger projects so that I can exercise my creative muscle, I guess. Wow, that's fantastic. It's great to hear how far you've come as a writer. And I mean, four acts is not nothing. That's very impressive. Thank you. This actually does transition very nicely into the next question I was going to ask you, which is if you could give any writing tips or just talk about some of the more important lessons you feel like you've learned in your journey, someone who's just starting out, what do you think you would tell them? A few tips of advice. The first would be to really think about your projects before you write them. I think that I'm a person that likes to think things through, and I really enjoy that. If you go in with a plan, you're going to enjoy the process a lot longer. With that said, it's also an interesting activity to kind of just write without a plan. So really just define what you want to accomplish by writing. And through that, set yourself up before you even put words on a page. Next piece of advice I would say is try new things as much as possible. A play is not always, the possum is one scene, one act, 20 pages. A play does not always have to be that. A play doesn't always have to be linear. A play doesn't always have to be... Uh, between two characters, really push the limits of what theater is and what it can be on the page. Because especially in high school, there's so many possibilities of what you can write about. I'd say use your youth to your advantage. There are a lot of great opportunities specifically aimed at you, like the theater project and the Young Playwrights competition. And definitely take advantage of those and, and get your work out there. Have your friends read your work, set up table reads, that kind of stuff. And really just enjoy the process. Create characters that you're going to have fun with. Research into settings that you're going to have fun with and really just use this as something that you enjoy. And then I guess my final and the most important part, I think, is write about what you're passionate about. There's a saying that you have to know what you write about. I don't believe that saying. I think that oftentimes good writing comes from writing about something that you might not know about and you get to research into. The most important thing is that you write what you're passionate about and find passion in what you're writing. And that could honestly just start with putting down two characters in a scene and seeing where it goes. So that's my advice. And that's what I would have liked to hear maybe three years ago. Right. That's definitely great advice. Are you interested in writing as a career or is it more of a hobby? Well, I think that throughout my life, and this is also why playwriting is so cool and, and writing in general, is that it really is a lifelong skill. I definitely call myself a playwright. I definitely, it's definitely something I spend a lot of time on and it's a really great hobby that I have in my life right now. I take courses in it now. I take a night course on playwriting once a week. So I definitely see myself learning and writing throughout my entire life. It won't be my primary career. That's not how what I envision it being in my life. I always envision it being something that I can use in my spare time to really just enjoy myself. So I'm a junior right now at Montclair Kimberly Academy in Montclair, New Jersey. Um, I've been there since kindergarten, and I will be going there next year as well. As of right now in my life, I'm a basketball player, so I'm kind of in the recruitment process and looking to play at the next level. Of course, you know, balancing that with the college admissions process in general will be a big part of my next year. 
I'm involved with a lot of areas of my school life. I'm in the student government. I'm a student body president over MKI. I've been at MKI since kindergarten, and I really care about the place. So it's a senior year is something very meaningful, and I want to make the most of it. So I think that's what's next for me. And of course, continuing to write. Like I said, I'll have a project. I have a script I'm working on that should be done this summer, and that I'm talking with my school about of maybe having some student performance next spring. And then more in the long term, where do you think you see yourself 10 years from now? Academically, on political science, I'll probably be majoring in that in whatever university I go to. And from then on, I think my plan as of right now is to get into legal study and perhaps, you know, get a JD and get into law. I mean, I'm grateful to have the people around me that support me and have allowed me to express my interests like this. And of course, a big part of my next year will be submitting once again to the Young Playwrights competition in January, this time a different play, maybe one that's not set in the Old West, maybe one that's set within the last century. Who knows what it'll look like? But nonetheless, I'm very excited to start writing on that. I'll be on the lookout for whatever you write for that competition. What do you think makes a good story? It's a good question. Wow. I think that a few things are components of a good story. First off, characters. Playwriting is all about characters. If you can think of good characters with good names and good descriptions who can be real people but have their own peculiarities, that's going to make for a great script and great story. You know, people want to see characters on stage that are going to interest them and keep them captivated and keep them really attached to the story. So I think the best stories are the ones where we only get to see a little bit of the world that a playwright has created. I always enjoy seeing some sort of twist in, in when I watch. I like to be attached to characters. I like to be surprised. I think that stories that can do that are really captivating. Stories that have really nice dialogue. You know, another tip I might have is, as I think it's often said, that your characters should talk like people talk. They should sound as if a real person would say this. And I completely reject that. I, I don't think that's true. I've watched an interview of Aaron Sorkin he basically said, your characters should speak like your characters. They don't need to speak like the audience does. They don't need to speak like people in America do necessarily. They can speak how they speak. And as long as you're consistent and embrace that, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you here and getting the opportunity to interview you. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. The Theater Project is doing such an amazing job. And to have an opportunity to have my work shown and even have an opportunity to have my work submitted is really, really inspiring as a young playwright and it is definitely pushing me to continue to write. So I owe a lot of gratitude to everything that this organization is doing. And Jacob, I want to thank you for doing this and having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Theater Project Thinks About. The Possum was directed by Gary Glor. Slim Jim Welsh was played by Matt McCarthy. Fat Man Lenny Shaw by Scott Cagney and Colonel Murdoch by Harry Patrick Christian. Our audio engineers for this program were Gary Glor and Alex Gomez, and our theme music was provided by Gail Liu and Damian DeSandes. Visit thetheaterproject.org to sign up for our mailing list and check out our other podcasts. That's all for this episode, and we'll see you next time.